Thank you for joining the Hack Ed Leadership Podcast. I'm coming to you from Cincinnati, Ohio, where I inspire innovation and personalization in schools and in life. Thank you for joining me today. This episode, we're covering Aubre, an open source educational software program designed and created by Zach Vanderveen and Chris Rose of Hamilton City Schools. And with me is one of my fellow partners in crime, Zach Vanderveen, the Director of Technology. Okay, and I'm going to let him explain a little bit about his journey in education, how Aubre actually came to life, what was the impetus for Aubre, and a little bit about the future of Aubre. So Zach, tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey in education. Sure. Um, so I started off uh, as a social studies teacher, and really the way I got into tech was uh, maybe my second or third year uh, teaching. I used to teach in inner city Houston. Um, we had a computer lab, and I was teaching uh, uh, recovering Christopher Columbus, and I thought about putting a question up saying, you know, was Christopher Columbus a hero or not um, during Columbus Day? And I, I fired up my own install of Moodle, uh, which was a great open source uh, LMS that had just come out. And I was like, oh, I think I can figure out how to do this. Brought the kids down to the computer lab. Um, they were all able to log in, including my ESL kids. Um, and uh, uh, the big light bulb for me was when on a Friday night I logged into the Moodle class and I still had nine or ten kids still arguing whether or not uh, Christopher Columbus was a hero. Um, and I was like, hey, you know what? Um, this, this is something I need to pay attention to. Um, so from there, went to uh, just building a lot of online courses and really learning. Um, Moodle and WordPress were probably my first uh, um, platforms that I really, you know, open source platforms that I really got into. Um, trying to understand how they work, how databases work, how PHP worked. Hurricane Rita came through and uh, gave me a good week off because school was canceled. So I learned how to code my first uh, discipline database system. Um, and just kind of from there, uh, went from being a social studies teacher up to being a, uh, uh, a technology uh, coach um, where I was going around helping teachers integrate technology with their instruction. Um, at least that was how the role was initially described. It, oddly enough, ended up becoming more of a um, developer, uh, run the LMS, uh, do a lot more of the technical back-end thing while supporting teachers mm -hmm. as these things tend to become. Um, and then uh, five years ago, Hamilton had an opening for a director of technology uh, position. Um, and they really were creating it from scratch, which has a lot of attraction. Um, you can kind of set the, the pace and the mood. And uh, my three years at Oak Hills had really, um, or my three years as being a tech coach at Oak Hills had really prepped me, I think, well. So uh, yeah, I came into Hamilton and uh, fired up a, a whole new wireless system and Chromebooks were becoming the thing, so brought in a bunch of Chromebooks. Um, we are now kind of the, the last bits of uh, going one-to-one, -one, so that's uh, approximately 11,000 Chromebooks for our district. Um, um, so yeah, that's uh, my, my, my day hat is making sure all the tech runs in the district. Um, but I think more passionately, Christine, you might have an opinion on this, but being a tech director and being thoroughly rooted in instruction is always kind of the key aspect of it. So, I mean, I work with instruction, curriculum, et cetera. That's pretty much where I'm located the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you in our roles. You know, it, it's changed. A lot of the roles originally were purely technical yep. in, in our area. Like you talked about the wireless and the Chromebooks, that was the type of work it would have been um, in, in the past, but now it is, 
if there if that instructional piece isn't present you're really kind of outdated in, in these positions today right and you can't get it to relate with your teachers or your students mm -hmm. or your admin for that matter yeah um, so so that's been really key um, I would say Aubrey started off um, really reflecting the need and a little bit of a perfect alignment um, with with Chromebooks really coming on the scene um, even prior to Chromebooks being um, when everybody was going uh, bring your own device mm -hmm. um, that presented the problem of well if everybody's using a big smorgasbord of different devices um, or if you have a Chromebook which is um, really a, a web-based device you know how do you solve the problem of common software. Mm -hmm. um, you do need some commonalities for delivering instruction, for doing instruction, etc. Um, and really, I mean, it's not the biggest insight, but really understanding that the web is going to have to become your, your platform. Yeah. Um, so if you're using a phone, iPad, whatever, it had to be a, it had to be a web. That being the case, I think education lags so much with uh, with software development. So you always had specific software applications. Maybe they were apps for the iPad, or maybe they were you know certain Windows files that people were using. Maybe it's FileMaker Pro. I mean, you name it. Just all this stuff that really wasn't web based. Um, so really, kind of beginning to detect a a need right off the get go with that with that area. So um, so yeah. Um, we decided to uh, really identify areas that we either had really terrible software or we didn't have anything at all and decided to really use the web as a platform for, for trying to build these applications. Um, so yeah, so the origins of Opera is kind of cool. Um, so Chris Rose, um, was uh, he's been a math teacher at, at Hamilton for a couple years, um, um, but he, when I came on board, he had, he had created a... Uh, uh, his own homebrewed uh, content management systems to run the district website, and uh, I remember taking a look at it, going, "Whoa, <laughs> this guy knows his stuff." Um, um, but he was teaching math at the high school. Um, I think he was like, on a, it was kind of funny. I think he was like on like a year one salary or something like that. And I was, I was like, "Uh, uh, no, 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 I want you up here." So, uh, um, so yeah, brought him on board and, and created a title, and basically it's a web developer title. But he is responsible for developing. Uh, coding um, uh, the, the apps, or in our case, basically Aubrey, and we basically, he and I whiteboarded what it was that we wanted to create, how it would go, um, and specifically we wanted to create a, a platform that could allow other people to build mini apps, modules on top of it that could satisfy every district. That was really kind of our grand goal. Um, uh, so we did. So um, we created uh, Aubrey, which is uh, completely web-based, and it's pretty Google-based at the moment. Although we are pivoting to be in Microsoft-based too. We've got a, um, we've got some uh, some volunteer college students who are working on that problem right now, which has been great. Um, um, but basically, the way it works is uh, any device, but particularly Chromebooks, make it blended well. Is is basically a single sign-on solution. It's a it's a portal basically. Um, staff and students and hopefully compile parents will log in um, and then all their applications that they need will be right there right in front of them. Um, again, not necessarily uh, super far out there. The concept of portals is, is a pretty common concept, been around for a couple decades. It just hasn't been really done well, particularly in education. Um, and I think the big growth in the last couple um, the last couple years with, uh, with, with Communication between different applications through through APIs has really kicked off. So we're able to bring some of those applications that we do use that are outside of our Aubrey platform into the Aubrey platform, integrating with APIs, 
um, at least with the forward-thinking progressive applications uh, that um, that are out there. Right. Well, and we've um, slowly implemented Operate a little bit in our district. In fact, we built a module on top of it for BYOD and mm -hmm. students bringing their own device. It was super easy once once you learned kind of the architecture of, of how it works. But one of the things that I love about Operate is the look. I mean, the design and the feel is, is very... Um, when you look at a lot of ed tech today, the design is, it looks a little 1980s, yeah, 1990s, so. um, just old school where no they created it, it back then, yep. and they've just been patching it all along the way, versus exactly. this one uses Google's material design, which mm -hmm. is a very um, well thought out, and, and in standard Google fashion has that simplicity, yet um, value, where it, it focuses on the user experience and Not making sure. it simple, yet, um, also attractive from an aesthetics perspective as well. So you, you talked a little bit about the gap. So how did you actually move the idea from in your brains for Aubre to, to action, to actually implementing it and, and creating a, a product that was used in your district? Yeah, um, so it's funny because I think this process is has changed for us. Mm -hmm. uh, let me work backwards because I think what we're we really have started to fall in love with uh, Google Book uh, Sprint, um, and uh, we've started to implement it um, or modify versions of it within our development process. So we'll tackle a module and be like, "All right, get the core people here, define our objectives, and then try and have a deliverable done by the end of the week." Um, now, in theory, you're supposed to block like the whole week off, like 35 hours for it. That's kind of hard to do. Although we did do that during spring break to really tackle a discipline module. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now because we realized the way that we used to start was a little bit haphazard and a little bit scattered, which you can get away with when it's a two-man show. Sure. Um, but when you start growing and bringing more people on, that doesn't work quite as well. So um, at least starting out for us, um, we were fortunate. Uh, Chris and I are pretty. I'm pretty well versed in, in creating websites and creating web applications. Um, so we targeted the core elements, at least for our district, that needed to be focused on first, which for us was um, really getting down, I would say two things. One is the single sign-on process. So making sure that everyone was signing on with their Google Apps credentials, basically trying to make it so that everybody just had to remember one name and username and password. Um, um, secondly, we had to really focus on um, basically an HR um, module or an application or a directory module. We're a big district and uh, I always had a sense, even in year three, I didn't quite know who all worked at the district. Um, we had so many people coming in and coming out and they were tracked on spreadsheets and random databases everywhere. So we targeted there first. So the very first thing we did was create a really good progressive um, HR database tracking everything from licenses to salary schedules to all those kind of things. Um, and pinging off of that, that's where we were able to build everything else off of that. Um, and then the second, or third thing I guess I would say is we also created a, basically an app drawer. So just a simple tool of putting all the apps that a staff member or student could access in one click right in front of their face. Uh, which, I mean, I would say that's probably the big thing that captures um, people's usage and operates. It's sort of a simple concept, but it's, it's, it's hard to do, like you said, in a, in a good, um, UI way. Right. That's, that's, that's Coming back to that, that is something that Chris and I have been very intentional from the get-go is really thinking about UI. In fact, we kind of test the, test the heck out of it. Um, uh, 
it's beautiful because we've got 10,000 students that we can do A-B tests with and see what works, what doesn't work. Also, just having Google publish material design, having the framework right there in front of us from the get-go, just allowed us to not have to struggle as much with design decisions because mm -hmm. um, they were all kind of spilled out. So, right. So yeah. one of the things I love is that it's innovation built on innovation. Mm -hmm. You know, you're building your innovation on what has worked for someone else and essentially just um, repurposing it and, and making it work in the educational sector. So tell us a little bit about exactly what Operate does. We've talked a lot about um, the process and other things, but, but what, it, what are the modules that currently exist today? What does it do? Sure. Um, this might sound trite, but like really we were trying to create an, and are trying to create an application that it does everything. Okay. Um, that might be a bad decision. <laughs> like it's like, oh, no, you got to focus on certain areas. Um, but really, so, so it's a two-part process. One, you've got the core, and the core is, think of it as your operating system, your base, or, or where, where you can build anything on it. Um, and then on top of the core, you add modules, and modules fit certain objectives that you might want it to do. And frankly, this could differ from district to district. Um, in fact, we're seeing that emerge. We'll see one district really want module X. Um, they might want, uh, like what we've been talking about, a professional learning module. Um, um, or you might have one come along that they really want a curriculum module, or they really want um, the assessment module. Hamilton's needs, we've been designing according to Hamilton's needs. Um, which makes sense. Um, so for us, uh, yeah, so here's kind of the core functions that we currently run through Opry. One is, it's the glue, and it will always be the glue, meaning it pulls in all the different data sources we use as a district into one spot, and then we really work hard on the user interface to make it easy for staff and students to understand what it is they're looking at. I'll give you an example. Um, so like most districts in Ohio, we use Software Answers, um, Dazzle, and Progress Book for grades and for the student information system. Uh, finding information that you need in Dazzle and the SIS is about as painful as could be, um, and it's pretty much ridiculous. Our, our staff members just can't find it half the time because there's no thought given to UI. So what we do is we pull that data out of um, the SIS, and then we place it, we've got a student's module, where basically with one click the staff can have a very good understanding of where their kids are at, contact information, grades over time, test assessments, all that stuff at a glance. With IEPs, you name it, right there, boom, and right in front of them. Um, and uh, we get standard, we get standing ovations when we show it to them for the first time um, because we just shaved off hours, if not days of work that staff members have to wrestle with constantly to try and figure out where their kids are at, which is kind of the core aspect of education. Um, so, so when I say glue, we pull that stuff in. We also pull in all the stuff from Google because they have open APIs, so docs, mail, classroom, etc. Um, so we pull all that good stuff. You can, in theory, bring anything in, Schoology, uh, as long as there's an API that you can plug in. Um, we, we rely pretty heavily on WordPress, um, which is really investing heavily in their REST APIs, so we can pull in information from their sites, etc. Um, so when I say glue, you know, bringing it all from one spot to another. Sure. Um, modularly speaking though, we've, we've created the following, that, that student assessment module that we did, um, which is very helpful, um, our curriculum module, so all our curriculum maps and model lessons are being built out in Aubrey, so we've tried to create a way with one or two clicks, it's very intuitive and a little bit um, 
well, it's algorithmic in the sense that it senses where you're supposed to be at and will present staff members, oh, you should be right about here teaching this standards at this pace with this amount of resources. And by the way, here are some model lessons you can use for helping to teach it. Again, pulling into that API, I hope, eventually with other um, model lessons that might be existing in different systems. Um, so uh, we've got a books module where we pull in all of our um, um, e-books or e-textbooks. Um, and you talk about uh, innovation building on innovation, that one actually has a bunch of really cool open source projects that we've been building off of, brought into our open source projects. So we'll use uh, Pressbooks plus Future Press, which are two kind of well-known open source projects out there that um, for either creating textbooks or turning them into EPUB 3s that it can be rendered on a uh, uh, on, on any platform. Sorry, I might be going too geeky or nerdy. No, but it's, it's great. But it's cool. But it's we didn't have to reinvent it from scratch. We were able to take one platform, um, code it so that it fit ours based on. So basically, one open source project merged into our open source project, which again is kind of the cool thing and the cool thing that we're after. Um, we've got an assessment module built in, which has been hugely awesome. Um, so there's a lot of companies out there uh, that are that are. Uh, assessment platforms where you'll get testing questions plus ways for understanding your data plus recording data. Um, we listened to a bunch of pitches and we're like, you know what? Let's just go to the test. Let's just go to the test bank uh, supplier and ask them, hey, how do you guys make this work with all these other companies? And they're like, well, you know, you buy a license with us and you get either. Different pricing models, but basically, um, you can have access to the test bank questions via our API. So, with Aubrey, we created the module which renders the questions uh, via uh, the third party API. Um, and then Aubrey uh, takes all the data that comes back from scored questions, presents it to teachers and to students to see how they've done. Um, so these are about 100,000 high-end questions similar to uh, air test questions. Um, Really, I mean, the dirty little secret out there is like all all the, all assessment questions come from like two two or three Hi. different places, um, and you just kind of buy licenses to access them. So that's that's essentially what we did. Which again, those results then tie back into our student modules, which then present like uh, you know practice frameworks in which teachers can take the data and shape their instruction after that. Um, you also created an app that works oh, yeah. on Chromebooks. Yeah, yeah. So the big, the big one is, learning. yeah, the big one is. So, so one of the distractions when you go one to one, um, or you just have tons of devices in your classroom, a particular challenge I think the teachers face. And again, we can see this because we're educators. Is, is uh, when you survey kids, you get the number one response they say that the difficulty is distractibility. Um, and as adults, we can attend, we can attest to this. But it's really easy to open up a new tab, get that big dopamine fix really quick, uh, <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, you're being sidetracked by you know. Uh, you didn't get invited to that party this weekend, and why didn't you get invited? And you know, the social parts of your brain right. are lighting up, and you're not focused on now. You're not focused on algebra. Um, so uh, what we did was um, created a, uh, a Chrome web app, um, and and it and it corresponds with uh, an Aubrey module called Guided Learning. And the idea behind this was we want to give teachers the ability to create a series of, basically it's a board that has a series of websites that allows kids to visit. So you might have them go to the Google Classroom, they might be going to do some research off of, I don't know, the New York Times, um, and basically you approve a series of websites and that generates a coupon code that you would put on the board, kids walk in, they fire up this app that's installed on their Chromebooks, and they put in the coupon code, and then in front of them will appear 
uh, just those particular websites, and they can only go to those particular websites. Um, so, so Chromebooks have something called a kiosk mode, so it's a way of preventing uh, people from really traveling or going any places other than staying in the what's ever approved via the kiosk app. So we created that, rolled it out, crashed our servers the first day that we, we sent it out. Um, hands down, solved uh, about half a dozen different problems we were facing with uh, with conduct, focus, academics. Um, wildly popular um, and, and just makes school, I think, uh, easy. Now, I want to put a little bit of a caveat and caution here because we're talking about innovation and just learning in general, I think sometimes having an openness to it um, where you can uh, experience serendipity in exploring, like whether you're researching or just learning or you're just getting sidetracked on some of those tangents, there's a lot of learning that can happen that way. So we do caution our teachers not to necessarily abuse the app in the sense of there are times I think where you don't want to use it and you do want to give kids the freedom to um, take off the training wheels right. and go go explore and, and, and learn so we are we are cautious of that as right. well well and there are products out there that <laughs> that's their business is actually creating essentially a lockdown browser you're creating that for them um, essentially even if they just use it for some of the assessments correct it enables them to um, take advantage ensure that the score is actually what the students know and understand versus them having Google something which hopefully the questions correct. aren't Googleable Google. but <laughs> anyway some, most but, of them are always have an element of Google, right, Google ability exactly exactly <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit what what differentiates Aubre from some of the other educational technology products that are available um, to us in yeah. the public school systems. So I think um, the first thing I need to find, Aubrey is open source. Mm -hmm. We were very intentional and went to our, our board with this right from the get-go. We wanted to create an open source platform. What that means is anybody can download the source code, use it, build on it, and do what they want with it. Basically. Any district, any student, any staff member can come along and do that. So we're, you know, we're we're funded with public dollars, so it makes sense that we're giving back to the public. Um, so that's what we've done with this. Uh, that is different than. I think the only big open source platform I can think out there that's big in education would probably be Moodle. Well, I'm Canvas. Um, two big L two big LMSs are. Um, but there's just not a lot. I mean, most software that we deal with in, 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 in school, they're all about high levels of profitability um, and, and very much you know, restricted, I guess. Uh, um, even to the point where not many of them will give you APIs where you can actually play, you know, you can plug and play with their stuff. They want, they want to keep you in their sandbox and they, won't, they don't want you to, to leave it, whether silo or not. Um, so that's, I think, one of the core different aspects of it that, that um, differ us from any other application. Um, I, think, I think the second thing that really happens is we have the ability to really develop something that fits our teachers and our students. And I know that's a sales pitch you're going to hear from every software developer, but here's the thing that I found, and you can maybe argue against this, but if you're out for profitability, you're typically trying to develop something that will cover as many bases as possible so you can get as much business as you can. What that leads to is complexity. So you'll get a software application that has 40 different options off of one button. Complexity within complexity within complexity. And while there might be a couple of us who are nerds and geeks and we geek out over the internet, the vast majority of people are like, oh my gosh, I don't understand this. Right. Um, and it leads to neural downshifting and they can't, they can't use the application. Um, 
we're pretty intentional about designing things that are um, simplistic yet purposeful in their design. Um, and I don't know if you're trying to. It's particularly more challenging if you're trying to develop a product for as many people as possible versus because we're so modular, um, you can create a module that's specific to your particular district's needs. Um, so I guess if you stand back there might be complexity in the fact that you might end up with a bajillion different modules that are kind of doing variations of the same things. But at the same time, you're also developing something that really fits for your staff and your students and your parents. Um, so that's really kind of, I think, the, the, big, the big thing with it. And I think the third thing is, man, I mean, I just... Education software is just so bad. <laughs> it just really is. There's just no way to describe it. Yeah. Like, compared to, like, if you go to... If you step out of education world software and look at... Um, kind of trending new last five years software applications. Um, the bar is just set so ridiculously low, and there's many different reasons for that. I mean, one is you know, education is ridiculously slow to change. When someone knows something, they don't want their cheese moved. Um, you can become more innovative, you can become more efficient. It doesn't really matter, you're moving my cheese and I know how to keep my cheese here. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of how it goes. Plus districts tend to sign two or three year contracts with whatever um, um, company that they're going with for buying. Um, and so they stick with it. And it just kind of rolls over barring a big budget crunch. And you just kind of keep eat, eating the same, you know, crummy food year after year. Um, without innovation. Sure, so, and staff become dependent. I mean, once, like you mm -hmm. say, they're moving the cheese, and once they get familiar with the product, they don't want to learn a new one. So, so here's one of the things that we've learned really quickly with designing Auburn. We need it needs to pass the we don't need to teach you test. Meaning, this is what we'll do: we'll create a module and we'll soft load it. We'll just turn it on, um, and then we'll watch the stats come in to see if they figure it out. And if we don't have to uh, go and teach them then we know it's good to keep. So I'll give an example. Um, um, well, the assessment module. Now, you'd think assessment module would be ridiculously complicated mm -hmm. because there are. There's a lot of complicated facts. But we floated it out there. Teachers looked at it once. They figured it out. They're creating their own assessments. Done, boom, gone. We don't, it doesn't take any time. We created something that, 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 that is that easy for them to understand. You can get away with giving them new stuff if it doesn't require them to learn or really, really struggle with um, UI. Right. It, it, sometimes it's good to struggle because you learn, you can really incorporate some of that, but it's what do you want them to struggle with? Mm -hmm. I don't want them struggling with user interface and how do I use the tool necessarily. I'd rather them struggle with, hey, this data came back, what does it mean for my kids? Yes, and I I believe um, it, it's easy to onboard with Avre because it's so similar to Google. So for any Google Apps district, it's, it's very, very simple. And one of the things you talked about, the complexity of some software versus simplicity. And I, I would say that's the Microsoft and the Google. Yep. So Microsoft is um, Swiss Army knife of yep. everything in, in one particular software package, but it becomes so complex. They're using 20% of the features. Correct. Where you have 80% bloat, in my opinion. Correct. Um, and it, it becomes sluggish, and there are all kinds of reasons to not add all of that functionality within it. By keeping it streamlined, simple, and functional, concentrating on the most used or most needed features, I think Aubrey does this exceptionally well, which is part of what makes that soft load possible. Yes. Yep. And sometimes it, it, to be clear, sometimes it takes a blow to your pride. 
because you'll work on something super hard and you'll be super excited. Like you'll have a couple, like a week's worth of development into a particular feature, and then you float it out there, and it doesn't get used at all. People are like, "Yeah, no, this yeah. is just that. This is nothing." And you're like, "Oh, but I worked so hard on this." Um, so you do get to see that sometimes, but. It's our role. Well, the beautiful thing about open source is even if your district, it may not be a coveted kind of module, right. it may be for someone, someone else. else might come along and then they might, moreover, they might see, well, it's just missing this little exactly. tweak and they'll provide the tweak and then suddenly it goes gangbusters and you're like, oh, I'm going to try it again with this tweak and, and exactly. uh, you can do it. Which is a great, great segue into um, why do you believe that open source is so important in education? Oh my gosh. Um, again, I think coming back to the really core fundamental, like, we are trying to teach our students to be forward thinkers, um, innovative, um, certainly preparing them for their futures, which will, you know, we're already in, but moving more and more into the future of the machine. Um, you know, software runs the universe. Um, so giving kids, giving teachers the ability to open up the hood of the car and peer at the engine, so critical and I've always felt this way but it's very I mean my entire introduction to computer coding was with open source platforms where I could take it off fiddle around with a bit of this code fiddle with it not and kids love this my daughter who's you know nine loves this as well she'll just get in there and just start fiddling with stuff she'll break it most of the time but it doesn't matter um, open source really really allows gives the ability for um, for learning I just passionately feel that way um, some of the other reasons why, though, that I think are just good is it prevents vendor lock. Uh, I think one of the most difficult things that we, well, let me say, first off, I'm adamantly against vendor lock, meaning um, don't be stuck with a vendor who provides a bad product. Um, and open source actively prevents vendor lock. Um, because the code base is open, you can either leave it pretty easily because you can extract your data and everything you need from it pretty easily, or you can make it be less of a crappy product. Um, you can contribute back to the community and, and improve it. Um, so that's a big reason why I think open source should be absolutely open. And, and, and in pitching this to, to, to superintendents or getting them to understand, they do understand the idea of vendor lock, being stuck with something that's really bad and the pain that comes with extracting yourself out of a bad relationship with a vendor um you know that that's that's really kind of the the, the key and then the third thing is this is, is truly being able to make applications or software that's applicable to your particular district and open source lends itself to that more than a proprietary system where um, you know you might want feature x and you contact the company and they'll be like yeah we'll get around to it or give us 20 grand to do why um, and then if it doesn't fit a couple more districts needs they're not going to do it um, now you can go about and actually make that happen so, awesome so did, did i cover i mean yeah, I'm trying to I think think that's, no i think that's great and uh, like you said there aren't that many open source products mm. available no. in education. I think part of it is because we're experts in education. Correct. We're not experts in, in software development. You guys just happen to have those coveted skills Whoop. and you were able to, I mean, coming from a district that's actually consuming part of Aubre, um, I feel um, such reverence and such uh, appreciation for you guys putting forth that effort and for us being able to take advantage of it. It seems like it's almost too good to be true. And because I know you, it isn't. But, you know, for others, it would be like, well, what's the catch? Where, where are they yeah. going to try to yeah. um, 
Yeah, it's we, straight we, money from me. Yeah, yeah. We've gotten that. What's the catch? And we're like, yeah. no. Yeah. Use it your own risk, but yeah. <laughs> you know. But that's that's any open source software. I wonder, and I'd be curious your perspective because uh, Jonathan Cooper and I had this conversation too. I almost feel like districts of a certain size, and I get it. When you're smaller, you have limited resources, but of a certain size, really should be considering having an internal developer. If software runs the universe, and it really does, and if you are so reliant on data um, for making instructional decisions, which we are. Um, if you're investing in a Chromebook device per every kid, um, doesn't it make sense that you should have someone in-house who can kind of look at this, see this, and, and really focus on, on making it? To me, it just seems like a, a prudent investment. Sure. Um, um, but I'm probably coming from this from a biased perspective. Well, I don't think that you are. I definitely think there's a demand. I've actually filled that need a little bit in my mm -hmm. district, but my role has um, so many elements to, to it. it. Yes. I, I get very little time to invest. Correct. I would say it is um, two percent of my time. Yeah. And you cannot develop good no. software in two percent of no. your time. You you yeah. have to. It's it's like a foreign language. If you don't continue to speak it, yep. you lose it. So you have to relearn, and, and it doesn't work well. So. For larger districts, I definitely see um, the benefit of having someone on site, but I'm also wondering if, if not pooling our resources Correct. in the same That's kind either, of function yeah. of leveraging somebody that already is familiar with this platform and and can help develop the modules, and you just pay for what you need. Yeah. Yep. So, which is my it's a great segue again yeah. to the next question: is what, what does the future of operate? Where do you see it going? What do you see happening? What is what's your desire? Yeah. Where do you want to see it? Go? Yeah. Um, I half-heartedly joke. I would like it to be in every state. <laughs> um, well, um, maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. Um, um, look, I think it. No, no. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to sit on a mountain of hubris here, but but I think we're we're kind of the first ones here for developing a platform that works really well with Chromebooks. And really, the big thing that that kicked off here the last uh, Chromebooks took over edu education market for better or for worse. They well for better. Um, although Microsoft's stepping up their game, so it'll be interesting to see what they're doing. Um, but basically, um, it, they took over. And okay, so now you have a Chromebook. Well, we're the first time to create a tool that really helps you utilize, I think, the Chromebook um, more fully. Um, giving a central place for people to go, see what they need, the guided learning app, all these different components I think are just kind of key. So in taking this someplace, like, I think we're timing it right where I really would like to see multiple, many different districts um, using Aubre. Um From an open source standpoint, we're really committed to that. So what I would love to see is, um, this, if this is a dream question, I would really love to see many different developers from all across you know, the country, the world, whatever, contributing back to it. I really would like this to see it as take off as a, as, an, as a really solid open source platform. Like you've seen some of the more successful ones, um, like Moodle, WordPress, um, you know, even some of the, 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 the JavaScript frameworks, you know, you can just see stuff that really takes off. It's good. Um, so, so that's really kind of... That's really kind of my goal. Uh, I also think that we need to continue to develop a a solution for districts who don't have developers or don't have the, the solution in-house where they can obtain these services, um, whether it's hosting, whether it's developing modules particular to their district. Um, um, yeah, I mean, so, so finding a particular solution, be that a 
a, uh, a for-profit uh, LLC or maybe a non-profit, um, we're still actively really exploring that um, so that districts who really want this, because honestly, that's the feedback we're getting. We're getting feedback from people saying, yeah, we'd just really like to write a check. Can you do this for us? Um, so that's, uh, that's another area of being actively explored. Um, make it better, really. That's really fun. I would love, as more districts look at it and find what works and doesn't work, just, just create a platform that works really well for them as a school district. Well, Aubrey has a, a ton of potential, and I think if, if you guys can, can land on something where districts actually feel supported if they want to implement it when they don't have the resources in-house, mm -hmm. I really think that's that's probably one of the biggest um, barriers right now to implementation it is, is not having the resources yeah. to do it because that's it's like, yes, that's awesome, and it's free, yeah. but yet I don't know what to do with it exactly. Yep. And, you know, even me having a software developer background, I mean, when I look at the code, I think that is some beautiful code. I look at mine that looks like spaghetti and all over the place. I'm like, okay, yeah, that'll never make the GitHub. But, you know, the reality of it is... <laughs> but it works. <laughs> I know from a stability standpoint for, for us doing a, a large implementation and rollout, I'm going to want somebody I can call. call. Whether yeah. it is a, um, a per hour kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, support contract or what route. what it is yeah. of mm. just something that you have this ability to have something to fall back on. Correct. If people start to become dependent upon it. Yeah, and that's a good point because um, you will become dependent on it. Right. But I mean, my superintendent challenges me for the reason we're having this conversation. It's still just, if I were to get hit by a bus, if Chris was to get hit by a bus, how much pain would the district be in? Um, now, again, that's also one of the advantages of open source. You've been a little bit of pain, but it's not like the instruction manual has been hidden right. or obscured. It's right there in front of you. Um, so you can bring other people on board. But, um, but yeah, providing that support network is, is, is really, I mean, again, it's what we're hearing pretty consistently from, from, from folks. And, and to be clear, like, it's free as in free open source, which uh, I, what's the saying everybody, it's like, it's free as in like a free puppy, right? Mm. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, the puppy was free, yeah. but you gotta provide the food, you gotta right. take it to the vet, you know, someone needs to own it, you know, so in the sense that you can't just get it up and running and walk away from it because you're gonna have a disaster on your hands at some point. Like someone needs to, if it is something that you implement within your district, someone does need to own it. Agreed. Like with any software. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's tell people how to find it. Yeah. And um, kind of how they could get in touch with you guys. I'll also publish this as well so it'll be easy to find. But um, it's aubrey.io, yep. right? A-B-R-E.io. Um, and uh, yeah, all our contact information is there, including a form if you want to be part of uh, contributing to the code. If you just want to be part of like a news list and understand what's going on, you can put all your information. We get, we get a fair amount of traffic there. I'm kind of kind of excited about it. We did just launch a forum, so if you have some questions, you can start throwing them up there if you're trying to run this internally. Um, and uh, yeah, the GitHub is actually uh, linked there as well. And uh, on the GitHub, if you're finding bugs or if you just have a features request, and we've had some people utilize that too, throw it up there and, and uh, we got time, we'll, we'll work on it, respond to it. If it's a bug, we'll probably look at it right away. Um, so those are kind of the things that, yeah, that, that, that folks can do. And one of the things we didn't tell people is the coding language. Is, oh yeah, oh, that's yes. important. Yeah, so we use um, uh, we use PHP and um, MySQL is, is the kind of the core element of it um, with uh, JavaScript and, and uh, you know your standard HTML and CSS. But we tried to pick the languages that are probably most common that people are familiar with. Um, um, and like we said before, we use um, Material Design as our as our UI um, interface for, for everything. So, um, 
Yeah. And, and people shouldn't let just the um, my sequel deter them either, because number one, you can get it for free, but secondly, we use a SQL Server database. Okay. And I'm hitching onto that from Aubre, um, using just a di different database connection. So regardless of the database you use, as long as there's some type of ODBC or some other kind of mechanism to connect, you can make that happen. So don't let that be a limiter. Well, and so here's the beauty of open source, right? You know, because you can kind of quickly figure out, well, I can't use this, but I want to use this and substitute it. And you can, you can tweak your code. Uh, accordingly to work we had, we had a district uh, reach out to us because they use um, FileMaker Pro for everything and they were trying to reverse engineer it so it could work with Aubrey and I'm just scratching my head going ah, have a go at it guys it's uh -huh. open source but it doesn't make sense to me but right. go for it um, so yeah yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Zach. I appreciate it. Aubrey is an amazing software, and I hope that um, you get lots of press and lots of people helping contribute so we can all benefit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hack Ed Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends and colleagues. Additional resources can be found at hackedleadership.com. Have a great day, and don't forget to stretch yourself and inspire others.